2: a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good
1: morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include RFK defense comments he made regarding COVID-19, North Korea threatens nuclear retaliation over U.S. show of force, and a Long Island business owner is pleading not guilty to aggravated manslaughter. Here's your National News Recap for the week of July 16th. Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is defending controversial comments he made suggesting Chinese and Jewish people are less susceptible to COVID-19.
3: I've never been any vaccine but everybody in this room probably believes that I have been, because that's the prevailing narrative.
1: During a House hearing on government censorship online, Kennedy argued he's being smeared through misrepresentations and distortions about what he said and there's no evidence he's anti-Semitic, as a member of his own parties have claimed. His comments come after a video was released in which he suggested COVID-19 could have been ethnically targeted to spare Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese people. Kennedy, who has been censored on social media platforms for his views on vaccines, also argued that free speech is deeply vital to democracy. The House Oversight Committee will hold a hearing on UFOs next week. Tennessee Republican Tim Burchett said the hearing Wednesday will be about transparency.
4: We're going to have witnesses who can speak frankly to the public about their experiences. We've had a heck of a lot of pushback about this hearing. We've had members of Congress who fought us. We've had members of the intelligence community and also the Pentagon. Even NASA backed out on us. There are a lot of people who don't want this to come to light. He
1: argued the lack of information from the government has eroded public trust on the issue. Witnesses, including former U.S. intelligence officer David Grush, who recently claimed that the government has recovered craft of non-human origin. Other witnesses include Navy pilots who have reported multiple UAP encounters. Republicans are accusing the federal government of fudging the numbers on the latest immigration report, which shows the lowest levels of apprehensions in over two years.
4: There is no guarantee
0: that this isn't just a seasonal reduction, and I would just suggest that the Biden administration is playing a game of hide the ball.
1: Senator John Cornyn of Texas says numbers for June that came out this week ignore the hundreds of thousands of people from South and Central America who are being allowed to cross the border and claim asylum. The vast majority, he says, will not qualify. The head of NORAD says the Chinese spy balloon that flew across the U.S. exposed gaps in the military's ability to detect threats. In an interview with NBC News, General Glenn Van Herc said radars were not looking for high-altitude balloons traveling at very low speeds through the American airspace. He added that the incident prompted the development of new surveillance technology. The spy balloon flew over sensitive military sites earlier this year before it was shot down off the coast of South Carolina. The Democratic-led Senate Judiciary Committee is advancing a Supreme Court ethics bill. The bill would set up a code of conduct, tighten financial disclosures, and strengthen recusal requirements for justices. Democrats argued the bill would restore confidence in the high court, while Republicans called the move by Congress unconstitutional. Democrats have been pressing the High Court to adopt clearer ethics rules following reports Justices Alito and Thomas accepted gifts from multi-Republican donors, and the staff of Justice Sotomayor pushed schools to buy thousands of copies of her book. There is still no word on what happened to an Army soldier from Texas who ran from South Korea into North Korea. The Secretary of Defense says they believe Travis King is in custody there. He's assigned to Fort Bliss in El Paso, but was stationed in South Korea. The military said he got into a fight and was being sent home. But instead of getting on his flight, he joined a civilian tour of the DMZ. Witnesses say he laughed as he ran north. The White House is still trying to determine the whereabouts of the American soldier. And Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton told reporters Thursday the administration is working to figure out what happened to Private Travis King. At least 16 people are injured after a major EF3 tornado ripped through North Carolina Wednesday. Lisa Taylor reports.
5: The 150 mile per hour twister traveled for about 20 miles through Nash, Edgecombe, and parts of Halifax counties. Local EMA officials are reporting at least 89 homes and building structures were damaged. The Pfizer pharmaceutical plant in Rocky Mount had over 500,000 pallets of medicine destroyed in the storm. In Raleigh, I'm Lisa Taylor.
1: The Anchorage Police Department is searching for a man connected to the Mountain View murder. The Anchorage PD says that 34-year-old Joshua J. Okotak killed a woman whose body was found inside a home last week. Officials say Okotak knew the woman but are not releasing further information. I'm Allie Bruce and that was your National News.
3: I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. All three international stories are coming from Reuters. North Korea said on Thursday that the deployment of U.S. weapons like aircraft carriers, bombers, or missile submarines in South Korea could meet the conditions for its use of nuclear weapons, state media KCNA reported, citing a statement by the country's defense minister Kang Sun-nam. The comments raise the stakes as each side steps up displays of military force in a standoff over the isolated country's nuclear weapons and ballistic missile programs. The defense minister's state also accused the United States and South Korea of escalating tensions in the region while criticizing the first meeting by their nuclear consultative group. The ever-increasing visibility of the deployment of the strategic nuclear submarine and other strategic assets may fall under the conditions of the use of nuclear weapons specified in the DPRK law, the statement said. The remark is aimed at the Ohio-class U.S. nuclear-powered submarine, which arrived at a port in the southern city of Busan earlier this week. The phase of a military clash on the Korean peninsula has surfaced as a dangerous reality. KCNA report added. The report comes after a U.S. soldier crossed the border into North Korea on Tuesday at a time of heightened tension between the two Koreas and the United States an incident on which North Korea has yet to comment. Last year, the reclusive state codified a new, expansive nuclear law declaring its status as a nuclear-armed state irreversible. The utmost significance of legislating nuclear weapons policy is to draw an irretrievable line so that there can be no bargaining over our nuclear weapons, North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un was quoted as saying at that time by KCNA. In other news, Russia jolted world grain markets with an escalation in the Black Sea, mounting a third straight night of airstrikes on Ukrainian ports and issuing a threat against against Ukraine-bound vessels, to which Kiev responded in kind. At least 27 civilians were reported hurt in the airstrikes on the ports, which set buildings ablaze and damaged China's consulate in Odessa. The United States said Russia's warning to ships indicated Moscow might attack vessels at sea, following Moscow's withdrawal this week from a UN brokered deal to let Ukraine export grain. The signals that Russia was willing to use force to reimpose its blockade of one of the world's biggest food exporters set global prices soaring. Moscow says it will not participate in the year-old grain deal without better terms for its own food and fertilizer sales. The United Nations says Russia's decision threatens food security for the world's poorest people. Kiev is hoping to resume exports without Russia's participation, but no ships have sailed from its ports since Moscow pulled out of the deal on Monday, and insurers have had doubts about whether to underwrite policies for trade in a war zone. Since quitting the deal, Moscow has rained missiles down nightly on Ukraine's two biggest port cities, Odessa and Mykolaiv. Thursday's strikes appeared to be the worst yet. Moscow has described the port attacks as revenge for a Ukrainian strike on Russia's bridge to Crimea on Monday. It said on Thursday, its retaliatory strikes were continuing, and it had hit all its targets in Odessa and Mikoliev. In its most explicit threat yet, Russia's military announced it would deem all ships heading for Ukrainian waters from Thursday morning to be potentially carrying weapons and their flag countries as parties to the war on the Ukrainian side. It said it was declaring parts of the Black Sea to be unsafe. Kiev responded on Thursday by announcing similar measures, saying it would consider vessels bound for Russia or Russian-occupied Ukrainian territory also to be carrying arms. Washington called Russia's threat a signal that Moscow might attack civilian shipping, and said Russia was also releasing new mines into the sea. We believe that this is a coordinated effort to justify any attacks against civilian ships in the Black Sea and lay blame on Ukraine for these attacks, White House National Security Council spokesperson Adam Hodge said. In the Middle East, Iraq expelled the Swedish ambassador on Thursday in protest at a planned burning of the Koran in Stockholm that had prompted hundreds of protesters to storm and set alight the Swedish embassy in Baghdad. An Iraqi government statement said Baghdad had also Called its charged affair in Sweden, and Iraq's state news agency reported that Iraq had suspended the working permit of Sweden's Ericsson on Iraqi soil. Anti Islam protesters, one of whom is an Iraqi immigrant to Sweden that burned the Quran outside a Stockholm mosque in June, had applied for and received permission from Swedish police to burn the Quran outside the Iraqi embassy on Thursday. In the event, the protesters kicked and partially destroyed a book they said was the Quran, but left the area after one hour without setting it alight. The Quran, the central religious text of Islam, is believed by Muslims to be a revelation from God. Swedish Foreign Minister Tobias Bilstrom said embassy staff were safe, but Iraqi authorities had failed in their responsibility to protect the embassy. The Iraqi government strongly condemned the burning of the Swedish embassy, according to a statement from the office of Iraqi Prime Minister, Mohammed Shia al-Sudani, which declared it a security breach and vowed to protect diplomatic missions. But Baghdad had also informed the Swedish government that any recurrence of the incident involving the burning of the Holy Quran on Swedish soil would necessitate severing diplomatic relations the statement said. The decision to recall the charged affair to Sweden came while the protest in Stockholm had started, but before the protesters had left without burning the Koran. Billström said the storming of the embassy was completely unacceptable, and the government strongly condemns these attacks. He added, the government is in contact with high-level Iraqi representatives to express our dismay. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your International News Report.
0: I'm Al Lawton with your local news. A Long Island business owner is pleading not guilty to aggravated manslaughter in connection with a fatal dumpster fire in New Jersey. The owner of a trucking and warehouse company, Limbrook resident Mark Cadu, allegedly disposed of over 9,000 pounds of extremely flammable dry shampoo aerosol cans into a dumpster he rented in Linden, New Jersey. The dumpster was later taken to a waste facility in Elizabeth and caught fire within minutes of being dumped triggering a multi-alarm blaze that killed one worker. If convicted, Kaju could face decades in prison and a $150,000 fine. The investigation into the alleged Gilgo Beach serial killer is heading to Atlantic City. Lisa G. reports. Police say murder suspect 59-year-old
5: Rex Hewerman of Long Island might have ties to the area, and they're interviewing jailed sex workers who might have come in contact with him. The investigation now covers New York, New Jersey, South Carolina, and Las Vegas. Huberman owns a timeshare in Las Vegas and property in South Carolina where they found and towed his truck back to New York on Wednesday. Meantime, Huberman's wife of over two decades filed for divorce
0: on Wednesday. Lisa G, NBC News Radio, New York. New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer is pushing for federal legislation that will address the spike in flight delays across the country, including right here in the tri-state area. Last summer, 8% of flights were delayed because of airlines and another 5% were delayed due to issues with the national aviation system and air traffic control. Fewer than 1% were delayed because of weather. Earlier this month, Gottheimer says Newark Liberty International, LaGuardia and JFK ranked top three for cancellations across the country. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand is introducing bipartisan legislation to stop Congress members from trading stocks. She's teaming up with Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri on the move, which could also ban members of the executive branch and their families from trading in the market. If passed, there would be no exemption for blind trusts, and Congress members who fail to comply would be subject to a heavy penalty of 10% of the value of illegal investments. The proposal is considered the most substantial effort to date to ban stock trading amongst government officials. The Essex County Crime Stoppers program is offering up to $10,000 regarding bias crimes committed against businesses. Authorities say suspects chucked bricks through the window of a cafe that was flying a pride flag in two separate attacks while the owner of a photo studio received a racially biased phone call. Both businesses are located in West Orange, leaving officials and community members shocked since the area is so diverse. All three incidents happened within 24 hours of each other last week, and investigators have said there is no solid indication that they're all connected. From NJ.com, the State Department of Environmental Protection closed one New Jersey beach to swimming Wednesday afternoon after two batches of water samples taken showed high levels of fecal bacteria. The Hancock Avenue Bay Beach and Seaside Heights will remain close to swimming until the samples show less than 104 colony-forming units of enterococci, as the results showed higher than that total for two consecutive days. The Department of Environmental Protection said it retested the water at the beaches Wednesday, and the results would be released Thursday afternoon. Enterococci is a type of bacteria that is an indicator of possible contamination within bathing water that can include human or animal waste. The high levels of bacteria are usually caused by stormwater runoff from rain, which fell at near-record amounts across much of the state over the last few days. The Department of Environmental Protection says swimming in or making contact with polluted water can cause gastrointestinal symptoms such as nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and abdominal pain, respiratory symptoms like a sore throat, cough, runny nose, and sneezing, eye and ear symptoms including irritation, earache, and itchiness, dermatological symptoms like skin rash and itching, and flu-like symptoms such as fever and chills. Swimming advisories at the three other beaches at the Jersey Shore were lifted Wednesday after their results were below the acceptable bacteria limits. I'm El Lawton, and that was your local news.
4: I'm Aidan Doherty with your Rowan News. Rowan film professor Jonathan Mason reaches new high through virtual production. Set on a cell tower 300 feet above the ground, the platform is just three feet off of a floor of a high-tech Hollywood studio, and the stunningly realistic scenes atop a cell tower result from a dynamic new technology that was previously used mostly in video games, but which Rowan University professor Jonathan Mason is helping expand to the big screen. Through virtual production, techniques have been used to some extent outside of gaming. Mason believes that applying them to film has a potential to dramatically change the art form, Mason, who's co-directing the film High with his writing partner, Tisha Robinson-Daily, Mason, a professor of radio, television, and film in the Rick Edelman College of Communication and Creative Arts, said proofs of concept. Short versions of film made to raise funding, complete full productions, are common in the industry. He said that developing a form of hybrid filmmaking, which he's writing about in articles for Filmmaker Magazine and American Cinematographer, is changing the industry, especially for the independent movie makers like himself. At Rowan, students will soon be able to use virtual environments to pre-visualize and test locations lighting scenarios, camera movements, and composition. Preparation they'll be able to then them replicate on a physical set and soon a virtual stage. When you're an indie filmmaker, a large part of the challenge is problem-solving, Mason said. Because you have no money and limited resources, there's an inventiveness that's part of the rush. Cheryl Bodner has received a prestigious National Award for her contributions towards Contents Under Pressure, a digital game developed for use as an educational and training tool for chemical engineers. An associate professor in an experimental engineering education department in the Henry M. Rowan College of Engineering. Bodner is part of a team that has earned the 2023 David Himmelblau Award for Innovations in Computer-Based Chemical Engineering Education, given by the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, Computer System and Systems Technology Division. The immersive game allows students and practitioners to play the role of a chemical plant supervisor. The game asks players to make decisions based on factors like time, financial costs, relationships, leadership, production, and safety. Ultimately, its developers hope the tool improves safety outcomes in the chemical industry. Bodner was also recently named 2022 journal of engineering education star reviewer by the journal's associate editors the award recognizes her thoughtful contributions and scholarly feedback placing her among the top one percent of the journal's more than 300 reviewers last year the award will be announced in the journal's july 2023 issue that was your rowan news i'm aiden doherty
1: that does it for the first half of the rowan report wrapping up this week's national international and local news We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Rowan Radio News Team.
2: I'm WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller for the Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. Jacksonville Jaguars strength and conditioning coach Kevin Maxson becomes first male American pro sports coach to come out as gay. He told this to Outsports.com because he didn't want to hide who he was anymore and inspire others who are in very similar situations as he was. He told Outsports, and I quote, I don't want to feel like I have to think about it anymore. I want to be vocal in support of people living how they want to live. But I also want to just live and not feel fear about how people will react. A milestone in American sports history. Continuing with the NFL, the value of a running back in the NFL in 2023 is currently at an all-time low. Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and Josh Jacobs all did not receive contract extensions for their respective teams and will all play under their current franchise tags, which is at $10.1 million. Since 2013, the franchise tag has almost doubled for each position except the running back tag. Here are some of the comparisons. At quarterback in 2013, they were at $14.9 million, but it's just jumped to $32.4 million in 2023. For a linebacker, it was at $9.6 million, but in 2023, it's $20.9 million. And mainly every other position is like that as well. Wide receiver, defensive end, defensive tackle, offensive line, cornerback, safety, and tight end have all nearly doubled in franchise tag value in the past 10 years. But looking at the running back franchise tag, it has jumped from $8.2 million in 2013 to only $10 million in 2023. There is a report that came out that said that kickers are making on average more money than a running back is. A kicker is making around $2.2 million compared to a running back's $1.81 million. Saquon Barkley has reported that he might sit out this season for the New York Giants to prove that running backs are needed for a team to succeed. Sticking with the NFL, the Washington Commanders have been unanimously approved and have been sold to John Harris and his partners and no longer belong to Dan Snyder, the former owner. The amount Harris bought the team for was $6.05 billion. Snyder has owned the team since 1999 and right. After the team got sold, he was fined $60 million for an investigation that showed that Snyder sexually harassed an employee as well as withholding revenue from the NFL. Moving over to the Diamond, Philadelphia Phillies pitcher Andrew Painter will undergo Tommy John surgery on his right throwing elbow and will not play for the Phillies for the rest of this season and potentially the rest of the 2024 regular season as well. The decision became decided after Painter was still having symptoms after some bullpen sessions. He will also need UCL reconstruction as well as ulnar nerve transposition surgery, a rough start to the young career of Andrew Painter. And speaking of a rough start to a young career, Seattle Mariners Jared Kelnick is now out with an injury after breaking his foot kicking a cooler. He had a rough at-bat in the ninth inning after striking out during the game against the Minnesota Twins, and in frustration turned to the cooler. He came out in tears apologizing and said, and I quote, I made a mistake. I let the emotions get to the best of me there. I just feel terrible, especially for the guys. Mariners manager Scott Servais stated that there is no timetable on the injury, and he was placed on the 10-day injured list early Thursday morning. Again, I'm WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller for The Rome Report with your news from the professional sports world.
5: with your own Report Business Update. American Airlines is raising its earnings outlook after posting a strong second quarter. American reported net income for the quarter of more than $1.3 billion, which is up from $476 million in the same period last year. The airline is also reporting record revenue of over $14 billion, which was above expectations and up nearly 5% from a year earlier. There's one winner in Wednesday night's billion-dollar Powerball drawing, but don't throw out your tickets without checking first, because you could be a millionaire. Sarah Lee Kessler reports. A ticket worth $1.08 billion was sold at a Los Angeles mini-mart, 7, 10, 11, 13, and 24, with the Powerball of 24, the winning numbers. This woman, who lives in the tri-state, knew exactly what she'd do with the money.
2: I'm going to go to sleep. I ain't been to sleep in 52
5: years. Well, she would better not sleep now because there are five $1 million winners in New York, two in New Jersey, one in Connecticut. Got to check those tickets. There are 29 other $1 million winners across the U.S and three winning tickets worth 2000000 million. I'm Sarah Lee Kessler. There's some much-needed good news for grocery shoppers. Trey Thomas has more.
4: After months of increases, milk and cheese prices are finally going down. Milk has gone down, in fact, it's at its lowest price level since March of 22. David Anderson is an agriculture economist at Texas A&M University. He says dairy farmers are producing more milk than before, which is part of the equation. I'm Trey Thomas.
5: Mortgage rates are dropping slightly. The average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage dipped under 7% last week, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. Experts credit the cooling of inflation for the rate decline. The numbers led to a slight increase in refinance demand, but didn't move the needle for home buyers. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report.
0: I'm El Lawton and this is your entertainment news. Netflix has recently added nearly 6 million paid subscribers amid its crackdown on password sharing. The streaming giant said Wednesday that those numbers came in during the three months ending in June. It now has more than 238 million paid subscribers globally. Netflix began its broad rollout of paid sharing earlier this year in an effort to get users to stop sharing accounts with others for free. Meantime, the company is also cutting its least expensive ads-free plan for new members in the U.S. and U.K. One of the world's biggest pop culture events is underway in California amidst strikes by Hollywood actors and writers. Comic-Con chief of communication David Glanzer said the strike won't stop the comic book celebration. San Diego Comic-Con looks quite a bit different this year as major movie studios and television networks are skipping it. The convention also lacks the A-list celebrities who usually attend. Any talent who are members of either SAG-AFTRA or the WGA are prohibited by their unions from making promotional appearances during the strikes. San Diego Comic Con will run through Sunday. Shakira is facing another tax fraud investigation in Spain. The pop star goes to trial later this year over accusations that she failed to pay $15 million in taxes from 2012 to 2014. Now she's the subject of another probe over alleged income and wealth tax fraud in 2018. Shakira's legal team told Entertainment Weekly that she found out about these allegations through media reports. They also said that she, quote, defends having always acted in accordance with the law and under the advice of the best tax experts. Ariana Grande and her husband, Dalton Gomez, are shocked no one picked up on their separation before it was announced. That's according to sources who say not only has the couple been separated for seven months now, but Gomez has since been dating other women. This week, it was announced the pair are officially getting divorced. According to sources, the couple connected during the COVID-19 lockdowns in 2020 and spent a lot of time together. When the restrictions lifted, the difference in their lives became apparent to both of them. Grande posted a photo of them together in May, celebrating their second anniversary, but more recently was seen at Wimbledon, not wearing her ring. Jason Aldean says critics have gone too far attacking his new song, Try That in a Small Town. Some critics claim it encourages lynchings and violence, while others are calling it the song of the century. The song came under scrutiny after the music video aired on the Country Music Television Network. The video shows mixed footage of BLM protesters confronting police, burning the American flag, and security footage of random robberies. Aldean posted a lengthy statement on Twitter on Tuesday, saying in the past 24 hours, he's been accused of being racist and against nation." nationwide BLM protests. He went on to say, quote, these references are not only meritless but dangerous. He said not a single lyric in the song references or points to race and the music video features real news footage. Aldine says try that in a small town is about taking care of your neighbors regardless of their different backgrounds or beliefs. With the release of Oppenheimer and the Barbie movie on Friday, movie theaters are booming this week. Other recent releases now in theaters include Sound of Freedom, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and The Little Mermaid. I'm Elle Lawton, and that was your entertainment news.
1: And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day.